Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at GodSolutionShow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. And I'm Grant Percet. And we're finally back in the studio together. We're glad that you're tuned back in. Well, this week we wanted to talk about something that is obviously on all of our minds, and that's the tragedy down in Texas. Absolutely. This is a situation where a lot of people are asking, where is God in this Um, Where are people in this? Where's the church in this? And how do I look and view this um, in light of there being a potentially all-powerful and all-loving God? Yeah, the stories out of Texas are just tragic. I have friends down there. Thank God they're all safe. Mm. They're okay. But their neighborhoods are flooded. Their neighbors are in trouble. And it's just crazy what's going on down there. Last I heard, there have been a 100 thousand homes that were either damaged or destroyed i mean just thinking about that is uh it's it's hard to comprehend how many people are without homes right now additionally about seventy thousand people have needed rescuing uh, they had to be rescued from their homes uh, many of them were flooded many of them lost everything it's just unbelievable The dollar amount on this damage, we can't just put a dollar amount on everything because you can't possibly quantify what people have lost that you can't put a dollar figure on, whether that's loved ones, whether that's memories, whether that's pictures, whether that's pets, whether that's just uh, the life routine that they had come to expect would be normal. I don't know. There are so many different things that you couldn't put a dollar figure to, but that dollar figure is at $100 billion now, and those dollar figures always skyrocket. I mean, right. they always do. But, I mean, right now, this is, this is eclipsing Katrina. I was down in New Orleans a few months after Katrina with a bunch of college students helping with the cleanup. I remember the tragedy, the pain, the sorrow, and it's unfathomable to think that what is happening in Houston right now is even bigger than that. I mean, it's just, I don't know how to wrap our minds around it. This is really a tragedy. Right. And unfortunately, as painful as this is, it's only one tragedy among many in human history. So the first church I went to was Salvation Army in Northern California. We did earthquake relief. There was a fire that hit Oakland and people lost their homes, lost everything they owned. And you're right, just to see the pain that people are in and, um, they're looking. It's a combination of looking for answers, and other times there's really no words of comfort. I mean, this is a time when it's just time to help, time to love, and, and time to help for healing. Thankfully, there hasn't been a larger loss of life, but we can't forget that many people have died in this natural disaster already. And these types of things are a frequent reality on this planet. I mean, we have natural disasters that wipe out communities, that wipe out even nations at times, that wipe out thousands of people, millions of people even. I remember the tsunami that hit several years back, and I think it killed around 400,000 people, if I remember correctly. There are massive natural disasters that kill thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people. And this is something that as Christians, as we strive to give answers for our faith in God and our belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, 
we have to know how to answer the accusation that this is evidence against God. And a lot of people bring that kind of evidence. If evil exists, there can't possibly be a good, all-powerful God. And this is particularly prickly right? because we're not talking about an evil tyrant, right? When we talk about Hitler, we can say, well, Hitler had a free will and he chose to do horrible things with it. So uh, he's the problem, not God. But when we talk about natural disasters, I think a lot of people ask, well, mm -hmm. that's different than an evil human being. How could God allow a natural disaster like this to do so much damage? Right, right. And I, I think, though, there's two different categories of natural disasters. I think that in some cases, um, William Lane Craig brings up a really tragic story um, that he remembers of watching a girl in Colombia on the news literally drowning to death. She was trapped in, in some construction problem and water was running literally into her mouth. And on TV, they, they were watching her die. And he really brought up the idea that you have, you know, hurricanes, you have natural disasters, but there is a, a surprisingly large number of things that we would put in that category that are actually man-caused. Now, I would never want to diminish the pain in Hurricane Katrina, but Dr. Jones, who writes about the problem of evil a lot, he said, you know, it was men that designed a city that was below sea level, that had levees that weren't designed to take the full brunt of weather that we knew existed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not necessarily blaming those people, but we have a situation where after it's over, you look at it and you say, well, you know, it's not beyond reason that those levees would have failed, mm -hmm. you know? And so there is some of that, I think, that we need to distinguish. But then what do we say about the problem of evil or the natural problem of evil? And one thing I would bring up first is everyone has to answer this question. Yeah. As the Christian, of course, I believe in an all-loving, all-powerful God. But when you look at, let's just compare it with atheism. Let's just say there is no God. My question is, why does it even bother us? Because hurricanes, earthquakes, fires are natural disasters weeding down the population. And if that's all that's happening, my question is, why is that upsetting us? You know, the weaker caribou aren't, you know, mourned by the rest of the caribou for dying off and being the weak ones. In fact, it just strengthens the herd. So are we saying that a catastrophe like this is strengthening the human herd? Absolutely not. As Christians, we say every single human being is just as valuable as literally ourselves. But if there is no God, if there's nothing but atoms and molecules, this hurricane is no different than any other assortment of atoms and molecules. We might feel bad about it, but there's no actual problem. But we know that's not the case. When we see these pictures, when we hear these stories, we know that there is something wrong, that it ought not be this way, that something has gone amiss. Let me tell you the, the argument the way it was formed back before the time of Christ. The Epicurean paradox goes like this. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? It is definitely a problem that we have to address. But Grant kind of hinted at this. Everyone has to address this. Everyone has to explain the problem of evil. For the atheist, there can't be evil. And, and Dawkins says this. He says there's nothing but electrons and mm -hmm. positrons and 
blind natural forces. No evil, no good, just pitiless indifference. <laughs> you right. might remember that quote from Dawkins. But he's admitting that if there is no God, there's nothing that's truly evil or truly wrong. Absolutely. And so what, do you, what would Richard Dawkins say to our daughters, our wives, that are abused? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have all... I don't think I need to list off the, the child abuse, but when children are abused when they're kidnapped, physically assaulted, verbally, et cetera, et cetera, are you just going to say, well, I'm sorry, the strongest gorilla won? The strongest gorilla is the powerful one? There's something wrong with that. I don't think that resonates with us. There is human value, and that human value is rooted in being created and designed. Frank Turek says that the atheist has to steal from God to make their mm -hmm. point. When they say... God doesn't exist because look at all that evil. They're assuming there's a standard by which things are called evil, and therefore there must be a God. So they have to steal from God to make their case against God. I think he's right. C.S. Lewis said something similar. I'm going to read what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. He said, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But just how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? Thus, in the very act of trying to prove that God did not exist, in other words, that the whole of reality was senseless, I found I was forced to assume that one part of reality, namely my idea of justice, was full of sense. In other words, the fact that some things are wrong, and we notice that, points us directly in the direction of God. So C.S. Lewis realized that atheism did not answer the problem of evil. Exactly. And Ravi Zacharias summarizes it really concisely. He says, if evil, then good. If good, then God. Such a great way to put it. And when you unpack that, you realize you have to have a measuring stick by which to call something evil and something good. And that measuring stick, even though some people will say it's the individual, other people will say it's the culture, those two can't be correct. If individual... Um, if the individual decides what's right and wrong, then everything is just opinion. And if the culture decides, well, then we could never call the Nazis wrong. You could never call any culture wrong. There has to be a moral standard above humanity. Where does that standard come from? God. Mm -hmm. So here are some Christian responses to the problem of evil. And we're talking here about natural evil, but these responses are kind of good for all different types of evil. And we'll get into more specifics on natural evil in a minute. Why did this happen, or how could God allow this to happen? So first, what are some Christian responses to the problem of evil? First of all, Christians don't believe that evil is something God created. It's not like God said, okay, let's, let's concoct some evil and dump a little bit of evil on the planet. Evil is simply the failure to measure up to the perfect standard of good, which is God. You might remember Jesus saying, only God is good. So God is the standard of good, and evil is whatever doesn't measure up to his standard. And guess what? Scripture is real clear mm -hmm. that none of us measure up to God's standard. None of us are perfect. Absolutely. So when people say God made everything, evil's a thing, therefore God created evil, that's not true because evil is not a thing. Um, it's said that, that darkness is the absence of light. So what is a shadow? Well, something has to be in the way for a shadow to exist. There has to be light. Shadow is the absence of light. What's a donut hole? Well, it's the hole in the middle of the donut. If there's no donut, there's no hole. So evil is a privation of good. Um, another example is like rust on a car. 
If there's no car, there's no rust. So there is no real pure evil out there. All evil has to borrow from good to exist. Yeah, it's the it's the failure to ma- measure mm-hmm. up to that standard. And that really goes back to human free will. So where does evil come from on this planet? Well, Scripture is pretty clear that it comes from our human decisions not to obey God. When Hitler chose to murder millions of people, that was evil. And that was Hitler's free will choosing to disobey God. A lot of people like to say, who's God to tell me what to do? But then they fail to take responsibility for hurting people when they disobey God. Right, right. I think it goes back to the Garden of Eden. I think I've heard of uh, this garden where Adam and Eve existed. And if you're going to go with the Bible story, we left God. And in the words of Dr. Jones that I interviewed here on The God Solution a few weeks ago, I think, um, he basically pointed out that when we get to the judgment, we're going to see how bad of an idea it was to leave that garden. Mm -hmm. So he says in his book, he talks about the idea that we think God has to answer for evil, but really mankind has to answer. We're the ones that are going to face him. We're the ones that sinned, that killed, that stole, that pillaged, that raped. We're the ones that did those things. That's human beings. So it's us that's going to have to answer to God, not God answer to us. That book, in case you're wondering, is Why Does God Allow Evil? Why Does God Allow Evil? by Clay Jones. We would encourage you to get it and read it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. If there isn't a question that you're going to have to be able to answer... This is it. (laughs) I mean, I hear this one more than any other question. So it's very good that you equip yourself to answer this. Now, concerning the free will response, a lot of people are going to say, well, I get that. I understand Hitler was evil, but Hitler isn't Harvey. (laughs) So why Harvey? I mean, I could understand how God could give Hitler free will, and then Hitler could turn around and do horrible things with that free will. But why Harvey? Well, we as Christians believe, you just mentioned it, Mm -hmm. that when mankind sinned against God, that thrust the entire universe into this pattern of decay. Uh, We might call it entropy from a modern scientific perspective. Scripture says multiple different times that the entire universe is unraveling, it's coming apart, but the whole universe is subject to decay. That's both on a universal scale, like an entropic scale, but it's also at the here and now scale. We see natural disasters wiping out entire cities because our universe is not the way it should be because human beings have sinned against God. Right, right. And I I think this gets to the larger question. If we don't put the Christian worldview um, right before us, if we don't look at the right perspective, I think evil looks different. The question is, what is the meaning of life? If we're going to look from a biblical worldview, life on earth is a small, short sliver of time, and the most important thing is eternity. If that's true, and the salvation of souls and eternal life is the goal, then we view evil as something much shorter. And again, I'm going to quote Dr. Jones. He says that in the light of heaven, when we've been in heaven 10,000 years, if we've been there a long time, All pain and suffering that we face on earth, as tragic and horrible as it is at the moment, and I don't want to be flippant about it, as tragic and painful as life is now for some, and as long-seeming, it will fade away to insignificance in the light of heaven. Mm. I believe all the pain, all the suffering that I've ever faced or could ever 
in my lifetime, it will be in heaven like remembering when I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night. I'll remember that it hurt and it will have hurt, but it will fade away in the light of heaven. Absolutely. There's one other reason that that evil exists on this planet, and there is a real source of evil named Satan. The Bible tells us Satan is real. He's not a little devil with a pitchfork running around in red, but he's a real evil person that is causing evil on this planet and motivating people towards evil as well and causing people to make bad decisions that will make them... uh, that will put them in jeopardy of natural evil as well. I mean, he is he is catalyzing a lot of evil, but evil at the end of the day comes back to us, like we've said. Thankfully, thankfully, Satan's on a very short leash. You might remember in Job, God keeps Satan on a, on a very short leash, and God at the end of the day can take anything Satan or any human does that's evil and bring good out of it. And that's the hope that we as Christians have, is regardless of the evil, human evil, natural evil, whatever it might be, there's an answer for it, mm-hmm. but there is also hope in it. And that that's something that atheism or other worldviews don't have. There is no hope right. in, in evil or evil's causes if you don't have uh, a God like the Christian God, right? right? If you're just an atheist, right. you have no hope in these things. Right. And so if C.S. Lewis said pain is the megaphone of God, I think all kinds of pain whether it's natural pain or pain definitely caused by another person, um, I think that should make us question and feel, this is wrong, what is right? What is the meaning of life? And Nate, I'm, I'm with you. Satan is a real person. Lucifer fell from heaven, rebelled against God. We also have our own sin nature, and we also have the world system. Between those three... I mean, we our natural inclination is to to sin, the Bible says, to be morally corrupt, to to do bad things. And so what is that hope? And I would say, again, I'd just repeat, the meaning of life is not happiness. If the meaning of life is happiness and there is no God, then this tragedy is even worse. But if we're going to exist for eternity after this life, if there is an afterlife, well, then we can put it in perspective and say, what is the meaning of life? And as, as Frank Turek says, uh, for the Christian, are we on a happiness quest or a holiness quest? Well, unfortunately, I got to tell you, a lot of times I'm on a happiness quest. I'd rather hit the snooze. I want to sleep in. It's much easier to be happy at Baskin Robbins eating ice cream or having coffee or have, you know, having had a good night's sleep. But when things are bad... That's actually when I ask the real questions. What is going on? And the big yeah. thing that's going on is it's wrong. Yeah. And I think it only makes sense in the Christian worldview that Harvey is wrong. Earthquakes and death through fire and pain is wrong. When people like Hitler do their thing and when people stab you in the back on an individual level at school, at work, when you have relationship problems, it cries out, this is wrong. And I think there's a reason for that. There is a right. There is a heaven where evil will be quarantined forever. And our relationship with God will be right. The relationship with each other will be perfected and right. There will be no backstabbing. And our natures will be perfected if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we let him impute his righteousness to us. So where does evil come from? Evil is not something that's created. It's definitely not something God created, but it is the failure to measure up to God's good standard, and that is definitely true for evil when it regards human evil, 
and things like terrorism, but it's also true of natural evil and things like Harvey. Our sin has put this whole world mm -hmm. into a process of decay where things are not the way they ought to be, and we yearn for the day when Jesus will return to this earth and make it right. Now, what about natural evil? Why would God allow this? Now, I'm not going to say why, right? Mm -hmm. I can't say God allowed Harvey for X, Y, and Z purposes, right? You, you hear these people on the liberal side of the spectrum saying mm. this happened because Texas voted for Trump, <laughs> right? <laughs> Things like that. No. And of course, we all realize that's silly and that's crazy. And before we judge them for making such statements, I can think of a thousand statements Christians have made like that, right. for example, about Katrina and things like that and the sin in that city, and that's why it happened. Right. So we're not going to go there. We're not going to try and play God and say, why did Harvey happen? But I do want to leave you with five different thoughts that I think could help us understand some of the reasoning behind this. Uh, number one, I think, is the importance of personal responsibility. And Dr. Craig talks about this. When we build our houses in, in places that we shouldn't, or when we don't build them right, we are putting ourselves in jeopardy. And that is something that uh, tells us in this life that decisions have consequences and they're important. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not blaming anyone in Houston. It's a wonderful city. It's the fourth largest city in America. Mm -hmm. It's a great city. But I'm saying generally, natural disasters remind us to be smart because ideas have consequences. Right. And I think we all need to realize that it is important to use the minds God gave us to understand the way that we ought to live. So that's, I think, one reason that natural evil exists is to be able to understand the importance of personal responsibility and clear decision-making. And I think this was especially apparent in California with earthquakes. Yeah. I mean, earthquakes are a regular thing. I experienced... 5.2 earthquakes, uh, I would say fairly regularly, I mean, compared to the rest of the country. And so they had in 1989, back in the day, they had a 7.1 earthquake, which was massive. And there was relatively few deaths. I don't want to be flippant about the deaths that did occur, but there was relatively few deaths for a couple reasons. There was, I think, the baseball was going on and people weren't driving, but they also were prepared um, through their construction because earthquakes were a regular thing and they knew earthquakes were going to hit. So they had to be responsible. So number two, natural disasters get our attention. And this is kind of what I was talking about before, that some people have said, or C.S. Lewis said, pain is the megaphone of God. And I think that when he said, pain insists upon being attended to, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I, I've seen this with people that are making a good living, their health is good, their relationships are basically good, and they've literally said, Grant, why do I need God? And you know, when times are good, it seems like we don't need God. When times are bad, that's when we start asking the questions. And that's why the statement comes back to me, there's no atheists in the foxhole. Mm. When your life is under threat, you start turning to God. So number one, ideas and decisions have consequences. Number two, pain gets our attention. And it reminds us that there's more than just this life. Number three is an eternal perspective. <laughs> when we see tragedy here, we realize there has to be something better. And we realize the value of heaven. And we begin to see 
that, that there is more than just this earth, that this earth is not the way it should be, and we yearn for, for Jesus to come back and make it right. We yearn for a place, heaven, that will be perfect and free of pain. You know, God's plan for us on this earth is not happiness on this earth. Mm. I talked to a lot of atheist professors in college that would say, well, if God was really God, he would make everybody on this earth happy. Mm. And I said, no, God wants to make everybody in eternity happy. <laughs> and he will use this earth to get as many people to that place in eternity as he can. I mean, seriously, if God can, can smite me today to bring me to an eternity of pleasure with him, Right. Do it. <laughs> Do right. it. Bring it. He's more focused on our eternity than our tomorrow. Right. That's for sure. He also said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. So you'd rather go most of you to heaven than all of you. And um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, eternity is the perspective. And I like, again, Frank Turek says it very well of what's the meaning of life is to know God and make him known. And I, I'll just be transparent with it. When things are good, I get lazy. When things are good, yeah. I get lazy. I notice that in my, when my schedule's packed, I really start saying, what's important? And I start scheduling and making things happen. And I notice when I have time off, sometimes I, I don't get as much stuff done. Yeah. I can procrastinate because I have that luxury. And so the pain ends up in the long run being good for me and makes me think more about eternity. Number four is the urgency of salvation. I think we live in a world where tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And when we see things like Harvey, we realize that. If I was guaranteed 100 years of life and nothing could stop that, I would have no reason to turn to Christ today versus 10 years from now. I could say, look, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to have my fun. And I've had students tell me that. I remember one that would tell me God is real. I believe the Bible, but I'm going to have my fun right now, and I'll trust in him later. And he got killed in a car crash about a year after telling me that. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow, and natural disasters prove that evil on this planet proves that and it creates a sense of urgency for salvation responding to him is something that each of us should do today i should not put it off because i might not have an unknown future amount of time absolutely and there's a lot of things that um i think god is glorified in the situation i know that sounds a little crazy it sounds a little counterintuitive but I think we come to the perspective of we left God. We, as in humanity, Adam and Eve, our parents, our biological parents, literally left God, and we left God with Adam and Eve. And because of that, this is the mess that we get. Natural evil, moral evil. At the judgment, we're going to learn that was a bad idea. But through it, God is still using it. Number one if we had never fallen, I don't think we would experience and see the patience, the long-suffering, the love of God that he would step out of eternity. I mean, I don't even want to get up on Monday morning for my family and go to work sometimes, right? He stepped out of heaven. He clothed himself with the human nature, okay, as Jesus to be vulnerable, to walk the dusty streets of Jerusalem, to suffer, to be stabbed in the back by Judas, and I think most people know what it's like to have, be betrayed and how painful that is. God knew he was going to experience all that. He was willing to do it for you and me. Through the fall, we see the courageousness of humanity. 
And in situations like Harvey and all the pain, we see people helping people. We see the love and the depth of courage in a lot of the people in the stories going from house to house, saving their neighbors, helping their neighbors. And we see people coming together. And I hope that continues no matter what their political views. It doesn't matter. As humanity, we're all in the same boat. So I think ultimately, this will be the ultimate glory of God that he was patient with us for leaving him. And it's him that deserves all the glory. In all this, we have hope. You know, we've talked about it before, but God gives us hope of eternity. And he gives us a hope that we can extend to others that are in the midst of pain. The ultimate hope that we have in him is salvation. The Bible is very clear that if you've never believed in him, today's the day of salvation. There's an urgency to this. Believe in him and you will be saved. Mm -hmm. You might even take a minute to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Please be my Savior and Lord. Well, I encourage you to do something about this. We talked about God's glory, and I think that really comes back to God's church making a difference in this critical time. So let's be the most generous, most helpful people on the planet. Please go to SamaritansPurse.org. That's SamaritansPurse.org. And make a donation. We're going to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go to SamaritansPurse.org. Also, maybe plan on using some vacation time to go down and help with some of the recovery after this is all uh, through. Well, thanks so much for listening. Go to GodSolutionShow.com to get past shows and all that. And definitely share the show with your friends and keep tuning in. Absolutely. Go for God. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.